hope you're feeling blessed and at peace today as always. Um, before we dive into today's topic, I'm going to offer you a reminder. Whenever you read or listen to or take any advice, I urge you to keep in mind that the suggestions you accept are that of a perfect world. Recommendations are always exaggerated into perfection to compensate for our human nature. As humans, whenever we try to do something, we'll almost always be imperfect in it. So you aim for the 110 and you'll end up getting 100. So take the suggestions, make them your own, and don't feel as though you're doing it wrong. I offer you the moon so you may land among the stars. Today we're going to talk about your mental resting state or your just resting state default mode. Uh, many words describe it. It's the emotional state of mind you subconsciously get into without any effort. Uh, if you haven't seen the cartoon Inside Out, this is your sign to do it because it's a really easy way of explaining how our emotions drive our actions. In the movie, it shows all of our emotions in character as characters in our brain. In each person though, you'll notice that although every emotion is present, one emotion is in the driver's seat. And that emotion is different for every individual. This is the emotion that is your default state, your resting state. You're capable of feeling all the emotions. However, you have to actively, rather than passively, reach for the other emotions than the one that is in your driving seat. So today we're gonna to discuss two things. First, why is it important to pinpoint, acknowledge, and get comfortable with your resting state for your own self-love? And the second thing we'll talk about is why it's important to acknowledge it in order to strengthen your relationships with people that are important to you. So why is it important to get comfortable with your resting state? Simply put, awareness is power. For you to gain control over your actions, you need to understand what drives them. This is crucial for your self-love. Our actions can often disappoint us or make us feel proud of ourselves. When our actions disappoint, it often makes us wonder, you know, why on earth we did it to begin with. This confusion can make us feel unworthy and can even spark anxiety, which results in disengaging from activities we usually enjoy or backing away from spending time with loved ones. There are many different emotions, but we're going to keep focus on the five major ones. Please keep in mind that there are many variations of these five. So the five would be joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. I want to take a moment to challenge you now to ask yourself, in all honesty, what is your default state? Close your eyes and think back to the most recent crisis or inconvenience that happened. What was your first emotion? before the rationalizing, before controlling yourself, before controlling your actions so that you're perceived with more dignity, what was your first raw reaction? Was it fear? Did you immediately project the scenario into the future and hold fear onto it? Was it sadness? Did you curl into pity and think of how these things always happen to you? Was it joy? Did you shake off the negativity and look at the bright side by starting to think of how this is an opportunity to get better? Perhaps it was anger? Did you allow yourself to take out your rage on the nearest thing or person that could have something to do with the situation? 
Whatever your reaction, acknowledge it. Don't allow this to disappoint you or give in to self-shame. That's not the point. The purpose of this exercise is to understand and accept yourself. Take note of what you just uncovered. Perhaps at some level you already knew this, but for the first time really seeing it for what it is, really acknowledging it. There's no right or wrong default. You are who you are and that's perfectly fine. You might think that joy is the better default, but not necessarily. Joy as a default has its drawbacks just like all the other emotions. When joy is your default, it can often lead you into denial. Someone whose default is joy will need to actively give in to sadness and other emotional components of the situation so that they can fully understand what happened and get through it rather than go above it. The long-term effects of joy as a default is building up negative feelings and then releasing them all at once. So bottling things up and then exploding. So again, no default is better than the other, nor is it worse. Not even anger. Those whose default is anger tend to get over things a lot faster than other emotional defaults. Their burst of reaction exhausts them and brings calmness as there's nothing left to do or say. Of course, the drawback is often guilt and disappointment. But when we acknowledge our default, we're able to control our reactions. Not only in times of hardship, but also in times of happiness. Our default is not contained to bad times. They just appear a lot more sharply during difficulties. When something really good happens, our default kicks in as well. So take the default fear, for example. Let's say you finally get a job promotion that you've been working on for years. Rather than only feeling proud and excited and all those things that you thought you'd feel once you got it, your leading emotion is still your default fear. You start thinking, am I ready for this? What if I fail? I didn't get it for so long. What makes me think I'm ready for it now? By already knowing that you will reach to fear, by acknowledging your default state, you can be gentle with yourself and quickly maneuver to the feelings you want to enjoy in the moment. So here's another challenge. Think of a time when something really good happened to you and your first reaction was the one that you wish was different. Rather than enjoying this good, your mind laced it with less pleasant thoughts. Now, what would you tell your friend to think if they were expressing these thoughts to you in that situation? How would you encourage them away from the unpleasant towards the pleasant? See, we're often a lot kinder to friends than we are to ourselves. Try to write some of the things that you would tell your friend down and practice it on yourself. We effortlessly go into our default, but have to effortfully guide ourselves into the state that we want to be in. One of the first ways we can do so is by writing it out and saying it to ourselves. Be as kind and gentle as you would be to a friend. So an example of this could be, I understand I want to react in anger right now. That's okay. I am angry and have every right to be. I'm gonna take a moment though, so I don't cause more harm than good. The fact that I want to yell is okay, but I'm going to go for a walk instead. It'll be worth it so that I don't need to apologize for yelling later and feeling bad about myself for the next while. 
That way I can spend more time fixing the problem instead of feeling disappointed at myself and guilty for hurting my loved ones around me. Another example could be, I acknowledge something unfortunate just happened. I can immediately see the silver lining. I'm so proud of myself for being able to find the good in the bad. That said, I'm going to keep that positive in my pocket for a moment and look at the situation in all angles. I want to make sure I'm not brushing over anything important that might later come up and hurt me. That way, when I return to focusing on the positive, I'll feel at total peace with it. Whatever your default is, create your reminder and save it somewhere easily accessible. Make sure your reminder is perfect because again, as a human, we will not reach that perfection. You will always fall short of your expectation and that's okay. Reach for your reminder every time you need it and eventually you won't need to read it anymore as you adapt to your new habit. So that was why it's important to acknowledge your resting state for your own self-love. Now let's dive into why it's important to do so to strengthen your relationship with the people around you that matter the most. The more we love, the more we have expectations towards those we love. These expectations can include how the people we love react to us, how they understand us, and what they say to us in times of our need. We often unconsciously look to them to validate our own emotions and actions. And when they don't validate because they don't share the same viewpoint, we panic. Without this validation, we realize that we're at risk of being wrong because we're not gaining popular agreement. Another reaction to not having validation is simply annoyance. This reaction happens with those you are most close with, the people that you expect to be on the same wavelength with. So think parents, siblings, and significant others. So here's an example. Partner A's resting state is sadness, while partner B's resting state is joy. A small disagreement comes about the two. Partner A curls into sadness and is immediately taken about by thoughts like, we never agree with one another, I wonder how long we can last like this, how can we be truly happy with one another when we don't have common ground, this needs to be fixed. Partner B, however, is on the polar opposite wavelength, thinking things like, I apologized right away and I avoided a big fight. I don't really care who's right or wrong. Why would I? We love each other and this is such a small issue. I'm glad my apologizing ended this argument. That way there's no stress. In extremely different ways, each partner is looking out for the other through their default. However, not only has this small disagreement been left unresolved, new issues that will carry over into the future just bloomed as well. Partner A will carry around the sad question of whether they're truly happy with one another, and partner B will carry around a happy token that they apologize despite not necessarily being wrong. As these badges they carry continue piling up, an explosion will undoubtedly happen by either one of them. In a future disagreement, partner B might explode and say, for once, can you be the one to apologize so we can get this fight over with? I'm always the one compromising and yet you're never satisfied. This reaction by partner B will finally reveal, perhaps even to themselves, what they've been breeding for some time. 
resentment towards partner A. And the cycle continues as partner A internalizes this resentment into sadness and so on and so forth. Now keep in mind, we're only responsible for how we act. We cannot request someone to act in a way that best suits us. What we can do is understand one another. So here's a challenge. Think of someone you wish to strengthen your relationship with. You don't have to be in a current disagreement and you don't even have to have a history of arguing. See, it's just as crucial to strengthen seemingly effortless relationships as much as it's important to strengthen ones that you are pouring more love into. Close your eyes and ask yourself these questions. When you think of the person that you've just visualized, what is the first description that comes to mind? Are they happy? depressed, afraid, mad, or repulsed person? What scenarios are coming into your mind that's bringing you to these conclusions? Choose a scenario that's crossing your mind and hold on to it. Dig a little deeper. What happened that day? What led to this? What did they say that made you draw this conclusion about their personality? Being actively aware of their resting state now, would you have treated them any differently? Would you have acted in a way that calmed the situation knowing what you know now? Write down what you've uncovered. When we understand this default state of our loved ones, we begin to understand their reactions more and take less offense to them. We're equipped to guiding them into a resolution that best suits ourselves. Now don't mistake in this for manipulation. The goal here isn't to alter the emotions of the person you're dealing with. The goal is actually to treat them how they need to be treated. This results in you providing the right way of love towards them and also you gain the peace that you need. Going back to our example, partner A can gently acknowledge their sad thoughts. It's safe for me to feel sad it's also safe for me to trust that my partner is apologizing to make me happy because that's the kind of person they are and not because they don't care about the situation. I, however, still have some more questions that I need answered. I will thank my partner for apologizing, reassure them that I do not wish to escalate the situation, but I do have a few more things to discuss before we can lay the situation to rest. This way, you've acknowledged the person's default state, you've acknowledged your own, and you've simply reacted in a way that best suits both, and that actually comes up with a positive and wholesome solution. Now, ideally, rather than making assumptions about people's personality, no matter how close you are to them, we really should confirm our observations. Perhaps you'll find that you're completely wrong and that's okay. Your discussion will open you each into understanding one another and to give each of you the opportunity to pinpoint what your own resting state is. Share this information and commit to safe words or other methods to de-escalate situations or to remind each other that neither is right or wrong, simply different. As we mature, we need to actively remind ourselves that the moral compass of treat others how you wish to be treated no longer applies to our sophisticated relationships. 
We cannot only treat others how we wish to be treated, we must also learn how they wish to be treated and provide them with their own unique, easily understandable, kind language. This is My Verity Project. Thank you for listening to today's podcast and I'll talk to you next Tuesday.